if you will, go ahead and, and turn with me over to Acts chapter 16. We'll read verses 25 through 34 here. And I, I loved the service last week and so thankful for the, the wonderful spirit that, that was present. As we talked about things that, that hinder the church, things that hinder the people of God. We talked about uh, how we add burdens onto our life. Amen. We, we put things and make things a, a bigger priority in our life than they need to be. And it, it hinders our relationship with God at many times. And also we sometimes we become people of, that just focus on one or two issues and then forget about the rest of what God wants us to do or the rest that God has instructed us. And that hinders us as individuals as well. Um, but we also, we need to make sure that we are focusing on sin in a consistent and in a holy manner. Amen. That we want to understand what, what sin is, what the Bible says about sin, but we also need to understand how to communicate that. Amen. With the world that we live in, in a loving, in a passionate, in a consistent manner so that we can reach those that need to hear the truth of Scripture, when we fail to do these things, we we hinder ourselves, we hinder the church. But we also going to talk today about something that can hinder us in times, that can keep us from fully submitting ourselves to God, fully following His footsteps, fully being obedient to who He is and who He wants us to be. And so I pray as we look at this Scripture this morning that you open your hearts to what Scripture tells us and that you will allow it to uh, hit you where it needs to hit you, amen, and that you will apply it to your lives. But over in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34, we titled this sermon this morning, we would talk about, we would say it was no need to worry. No need to worry. So Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34, reads like this. We'll have it up here on the screen, or you can read along in your, in your Bibles. But it says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Amen. Ma'am, Acts chapter 16. Verses 25 through 34. We we do covet your prayers this morning. I felt like I've been losing my voice all week in school and, and everything, but we, we know that God can and cover what we cannot. Amen. But I, I want us to, real quick, before we get into to the meat of the sermon, I, I want us to take a minute. And I want us to have a time of self-evaluation and, and, and look at our lives and begin to think about, as no doubt we all have at times, think about the seasons and the times that we have been ensnared and entangled in, in, in great trepidation, in great fear, in great worry, and how these things that oftentimes have consumed us. Amen. That we have went through seasons and we have went through times and we have went through struggles that have no doubt that have drugged us and that have beat us and that have tortured us and tormented us to, to such great levels that we feel that we can go no farther. Amen. 
We have walked in those footsteps. We have been in that place. We have experienced those things. And I want you to understand that what you have felt in feeling those things is not uncommon to any one of us. Right. That you look to your left and you look to your right and you look all around you and you will see somebody that, if not going through a very similar situation, has walked in a similar place at some time and season in their life. The Bible says that we are all tempted likewise. That there's nothing foreign unto man that we all understand this commonplace struggle of life. The Bible says in another place that man born of a woman, a few days is full of troubles, a few days full of sin, that we face it. And we go through things. Yes. And those things can... It can become trying. It can become wearisome and burdensome. Amen. But I, I pray that as we look through Scripture and, and understand what we are saying and, and track with me as we go through this, that we can look at this Scripture and we can see the example of Paul and Silas that when we look at the bigger picture that there is no need to worry. Man, no need to Worry. I want us to real quick understand that we look at the example of Paul and Silas and we see that they were thankful for who God is. Amen. Look at what the scripture says. It says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Let's set the stage here. Paul and Silas, as we talked about last week, were traveling abundantly to different places, going on these mission trips, and establishing churches, strengthening previously established churches, preaching the gospel to people, seeing people be saved, training ministers, going into every house that would have them, and speaking the truth of who Christ was. And they come to this place this season, this time, and, and just, just to, help, to help you understand what had happened, there was a, there was a young girl that was, that was possessed by a devil that did these great works and things, and, and her masters used her abilities to profit off of them. Right? It says at one point they were walking down the street and this, this young girl began to follow them and they understood what was wrong with her and they cast this demon out and it angered her masters. So much so that they went to the, the magistrates and said, look at what these Jews have done. Look at what they brought upon us. They were calling us to do these things that Rome would not be happy with. We need to take care of them. And it says they brought them into trial like Paul and Silas and many of the other early forefathers of the faith were put on trial time and time again. And, and they just said they beat them with rods and then put them into to prison, and it says they took them out and they beat them and tortured, they did awful things to them, and then they threw them into prison. Here we take up in the 25th verse where it says, But about midnight, yeah, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to, to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, in a nuanced way, this is talking about praise, but I want to take it a step farther because we can't praise. Unless we are thankful for who God is. Because you see, praise that is based upon thankful of who God was is not praise at all. It's historical hymns of something that had happened. If they were only singing about what God had done, that would not have been praise. It would just have been a, a song. They were singing about who God is. Amen. Amen. And we need to understand that in our times of trials, in our times of worry, in our times of fear, that oftentimes we are focused on who God was and we forget that He is still the great I Am. Amen. Amen. That He is and was and is to come. That nothing has changed about His manner or His character since the dawn of creation to the ending of time. It is all plain and similar that He is still God. And we need to be thankful for who God is. 
We are thankful for who He was. I'm thankful for the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Amen. I'm thankful for the covenants that He established through Moses and how He brought His people out of Egypt. I'm thankful for the sacrifice that, that He showed us through the, through the understanding of the Mosaic Law and all that he, he did in that. I'm thankful for the Gentiles, how He took them in. I'm thankful for His life and walk on His three and th- or 33 and some years life here. I'm thankful for all that, but I'm thankful that He is still Amen. God. That He still is. Not that He was. Not that He will be. But that He is. There's a lot of stories of who people were. and There's a lot of promise of who people may be. But who people are is who they are right now. You can talk about how God may do this one day. But I'm thankful that He is capable of doing that today. Amen. Or you may talk about how God did things once upon a time and, and how things used to be in the church and used to be in ministry and used to be in the congregation. But I'm thankful for who He is right now. Amen. And I'm thankful for what He's doing right now. See, when the trials come and the burdens get heavy and the, and the winds and the waves and the storms prevail against us, which we know that they will, I encourage you, worry will say that He was that, but He isn't anymore. I want you to tell worry that he still is. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That he still is. That in the midst of my storm, in the midst of my trials, in the midst of my failures, in the midst of everything that may try to make me to succumb to its strength and the power of the world around me, I am thankful that God still simply is. Amen. I know somebody was talking about this with me or something I saw or read somewhere, but many times we, we view our situation we view our, our God through the lens of our situation. Right? We say, well, uh, this is what's going on, and this is all that I'm facing, this is all that's on my back, this is all that, that I'm having to deal with right now, and it affects the way that we view God. We say, well, this happened, and this person did this, and I've went through this, and I've had this pain, I've had this shame, I've had this guilt, I've had this hurt for so long, and it affects the way that we view God. But God should affect the way that we view everything around us. Yeah. Man, it should be the thing that alters the way we approach life. It should be the thing that alters the way we approach our situation. It should be the thing that alters the way we approach our day. We shouldn't wake up in a bad mood and that changes the way that we view God. Amen? We shouldn't get a call and that changes the way we view God. We shouldn't have something happen in our life by somebody doing something or acting with us in a certain way and it changes the way we view God. God is. And He still is. And He always will be God. We must be thankful for who God is. They weren't just singing about who He was. And they weren't just singing a promise of who He will be one day. They were singing about the God they served. And that was active in their life right then. Amen. Right then. When we look at our lives, I think we could all ask ourselves if we were beaten with rods and thrown into jail and shackled and stripped and mocked, and shamed in, in the way that no doubt these, these men were. It would be few of us, if any, that would find it within ourselves to sing anything besides, woe was me. Oh, yeah. But they began to sing the praises of God talking about who this man is. And I pray you might ask how... What, what brings a man, what is within a man, 
or a woman that, that can make them do that. It's an understanding and a thankfulness and a gratitude that he still is. Amen. He still is. But we also have to be trusting of God's timing. Man. And I, I read this scripture, and, and the Lord knows I have read this scripture, and I've preached on this scripture a multitude of times. I got to the 16th chapter and I already knew this 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 is going to be at the tail end of this. And I was looking at other stuff. I was like, well, so we preach from the first part, first little way, and we just kept on coming back. And I was like, we knew this is here. I've read this scripture so many times, but something didn't dawn on me and, 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 until until I read it this week and studied into it this week to, to develop the sermon and get to what the Holy Spirit was wanting us to, to bring about. So let's read this real quick. It says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, right? We know that. God moves, God is powerful, He is mighty. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Look, I, you know I talk about the gaps, right? We talk about the stuff that isn't necessarily said so that we understand what's really going on. What does it not say happened there? It doesn't say they ran. It never says they got up. It never says they hit the road and tried to get out of there as quickly as possible. They stayed. What would have led them to stay? But it says, And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he already assumed it. Why wouldn't they have? They were in prison. Why wouldn't they be looking for a way out? As soon as the doors swung open, why wouldn't they have been gone? Supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Amen. Thank you, Lord. What leads a man when given a way to escape from prison to stay? Because the reality is, think about this, and I'm going to speak for myself, but I feel like it's it's a human thing. When we are in, in, in seasons of trepidation and trial, when we are in places of suffering, of hurt, and of worry, we are constantly looking for the way out. Amen? True. We are. That, that is our focus. That is our priority. That is our desire. Whatever else goes on around us, it, it just becomes a minute point compared to how do I get out of this? How do I escape this? How do I get away from this? How do I leave this behind me? And nothing else matters because that becomes the predominant thing that we think about. Yet they stayed. The chains were loosed. And the guard already assumed that they had fled. Yet, yet they stayed. I have to believe that something speaks to Paul and Silas and says, wait a minute. I'm doing something here. Wait a minute. I know you want out. And I know you're ready to leave. But, but wait a minute. I'm still not done with what I came yeah. to do. Amen. Amen. I, have, I have said it before. And I've preached it before. For us to have this understanding, to, to grasp this concept, this, this thing that, that many times our trials and our burdens and our suffering and what we face and the things that worry us, the things that get to us, and the things that just weigh on us heavy in the middle of the night isn't only there to affect us, but that ultimately God can and will use it for His Glory if we wait upon His timing. If we wait upon His timing. 
Imagine with me for a moment. Paul and Silas and all those other boys there that day. They did what I would have done. And as soon as that door flung open, as soon as those shackles fell off, they hit the road and they were gone. That guard comes in and he finishes what he started to do. He falls on his sword and the magistrates come in the next day. His family comes in the next day. And that's what they find. A man that ultimately had just heard the songs of salvation but died in his sins and awakened in hell. That's the reality, right? Yeah. If Paul and Silas leave. <clears throat> if the Scripture would have said that, supposing that the prisoners had fled and finding that was true, he fell upon his sword, it would be a different story, right? Yeah. The goodness of God would not have been revealed to this man if that was the end of his story. If they had not waited on God's timing but moved on their own timing, this man would have never received the gift of salvation. That's Yet they waited on God's timing. Your worry, your burden, what you are facing and what you are going through it is real and it is legitimate and there is no way I'm going to stand up here and say that you don't. You need to ignore it. It is there. But I want you to also understand that God can use it to do a mighty work in your life and in somebody else's life. In somebody else's life. If we wait on God's timing. If we wait on God's timing. See, Paul and Silas, they had this faith and this understanding that God will do what He wants to do when He wants to do it. And we're here until He moves us. And and we live in a society with a cultural understanding that if we can do something to change our life, we need to do something to change our life. But sometimes God doesn't want us to be the ones that change it because He's the one that knows how to change it. Right. Man, does that make sense? That, that, that we, we don't understand that concept sometimes because it's so foreign to us to allow somebody else to be the catalyst of change in our life because we're supposed to be the one that makes our life better. We're supposed to be the one that fixes the issues. We're supposed to be the ones that know what to do and how to do and how to make it better and we need to be the ones that do it. It is so foreign to think that we can place that understanding, place our life in the hands of God and say, Lord, it's yours and I'll wait on your timing, but that is what God calls us to do. It's to wait and be faithful upon His timing. And His timing doesn't always make sense to our, our human understanding. The scripture tells us that His ways and His thoughts are what? That's higher and far beyond us. And for me to even have any the pride to think that I can come close to understanding the ways of God is foolhardy. And prideful. Because I cannot. So we must wait upon his timing. Amen. You might say, but, but, but preacher, I, I want out of this. I know you do. I want to be done with this. I know you do. I'm tired of where I'm at. And I'm tired of what I'm facing. And I'm tired of what I'm going through and of this burden, and of this worry, and of this problem, and of this issue, I know you are. And God does too. But He also knows that His timing and His ways are perfect. Are perfect. And we as humans, as His creations, have to come to a place where we can 
accept that and acknowledge that and find hope and strength in God's timing. Man, God's timing. But we also have the assurance in our salvation. The assurance in our salvation. And he called for a lot, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your, your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Man, assurance and our salvation. Yeah, amen. The biggest difference between the early church and the church of today is how much they valued their salvation versus how much we value our salvation. How can a man be thrown into prison and sing songs of praise? How can a man be thrown in prison and have gates burst open before him, shackles fall off him, and he, he waits? How can a man be stoned to death, cast out, and we'll get to that later, cast out of the city, come back, and then go right back into to that city? How can a man, how can a woman go through these trials, go through these struggles, go through this persecution, go through this torment again and again and again and get back up and do it again and again and again because they were confident that nothing compares to the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to put myself in, in Paul's shoes for a moment and just imagine what it is that he would say. And, and this isn't me just going off of a whim and, and just saying, well, you know, this is what I think. Well, this is based upon what he said throughout his epistles that he wrote. And he wrote something similar time and time and time again. But I can only imagine Paul would say, but maybe somebody asked him, sit down in, in one of these things. They interview him one time for the Jerusalem Times. And, and they say, Paul, why, why, did you, why did you go through this? You're, you're going through so much pain. What can you say? Well, well I'm still saved. Paul, they, they keep on pushing you aside. They keep on doing these things to you. What, what do you have to say about that? Well, I'm still confident that I am saved. Paul, they said if you go to Rome, they'll take you and they'll, they'll behead you. They'll do these things. What do you have to say to that, Paul? Well, I just know that I am still saved. He had this assurance and his confidence in his salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that is where when all the things that would worry and all the things that would berate and all the things that would wear down a man, a common man, you look at Paul and Silas, these other early church leaders, and other ones, all throughout church history, and you say, how can they go through what they went through and still get up and worship the Lord? It's because they were assured and confident in their salvation. Amen. And that nothing compared. All paled in comparison to their salvation. Well, we can get to the point. And once again, these are things that are just so far beyond our, 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 our generational understanding. 
uh, of a relationship with Christ. General, our general understanding of walking in the footsteps of Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. This is so foreign as a concept that we, we have forsaken it many times. But this is what Scripture teaches us, that we can and should get to a point in a relationship with God that all the things, all the things that weigh in us, all the things that worry us, we can look at that. We can understand it and say, yes, that is real. Yes, that is something I'm facing. Yes, that is significant. Yes, that is horrible what's going on. But I'm still saved. Amen. Yes, cancer has riddled my body, but I am still saved. Yes, I have lost loved ones, but I am still saved. Yes, I'm facing a battle, but I'm still saved. Yes, my marriage is on the rocks, but I am still saved. Yes, my children are far from God, but I am still saved. Yes, this is happening. That is happening. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my car. I'm going to lose everything. But I am still saved. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Paul would say, you can take my life, but you can't take my Jesus. You can take my head, but you can't take my Jesus. You can take my freedom. You can take my arms, my limbs, my food, my water. You can take it all, but you can't take my salvation. Amen. My relationship you, with my Lord Jesus Christ. How does a man like Paul go through all of this and it seems like it never even phases him? Because it didn't touch his salvation. Right. It didn't come close to yeah, it. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't even scratch it. Didn't even blemish it. Didn't even smudge it because it is sealed and prepared and held until the end of time and we cross over to the other side. He said, You can't have this. You can't touch it. I might go to Rome before the emperor at that time, the most mighty, powerful man on the face of the earth. He can't do nothing with what I've got. That's right. The assurance of our salvation. It's what gives us hope. It's what gives us peace in the troubled times. And when the burdens weigh, and they will weigh. And when the storms come and blow, and, and they will blow. And the earth will shake, and, and it will shake. And the thing, and we lose the ones we love, and we will lose them. And we lose the things that we might think are important because you will lose them. And the things that you hold in high esteem, they may go away dust to dust. My salvation is intact. Amen. <coughs> I love the song. Yeah. I wish I could sing it. We grew up with it all the time. I can't remember who sings it. But it tells the story of the first Passover. It's fictional telling, but no doubt it could have very well happened. Of a firstborn son there. And just to make sure we understand the significance. During the Passover, the plagues had come, the tenth plague had come, and Moses made sure that they were aware that, that the, the spirit of death would come and cross over every house, and, and the firstborn in every household would die unless the, the doorstep was, was covered with the blood of the lamb, right? The sacrificial lamb. We, we, now, they see that then, it was important, but we look at it now going back, and we see the significance of what God was doing at that time, right? When this, but this song goes on, and it talks about how this, uh, this firstborn filled with worry. Concerned, just burdened down. And as the time and the night went on, he continued to go to his father and say, Daddy, would you make sure, would you check again yeah. that the blood is still there? Because he says, I, I know, I believe what you said, Dad. I believe what Moses 
total ecstatic. I believe that without that blood, without that sacrifice, that I'm as good as dead, would you check to make sure that the blood is still there? And the dad would check and check and check with her. He gets sure that it is still there. You are going to go through all kinds of things in this life. I'm not going to be the one that paints a pretty rosy picture that says it's all going to be fine and dandy for you children. Follow Jesus and everything's going to fall in line. Paul and Silas, right here, an example of that, it will not. It'll come. Once you get through it, you can look and you can check yourself and you'll be like, oh yeah, it's still there. It didn't touch it. Didn't move it. Didn't shake it. Didn't change it one bit. We can be assured and confident that no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, that our salvation is intact. So you may worry. You may fret. You may be burdened down. You may be going through difficult times. Not now. And what's weighing on you, like I said, I am in no way going to question it or call that into doubt. We face things. We face things. But there's no need to worry because your salvation Amen. is intact. Yeah, thank you, but Jacob, what if it takes me? If it takes you, it takes you. There's a better promised land awaiting. What if it's tiresome and worrisome for the rest of my life? Jesus carried a cross of Galgotha's hill. He knows your pain. He knows what you're facing. And your salvation is still intact. But what if it affects my family? What if it affects... There ain't nothing in this world that's going to affect you or harm you that is greater than God Almighty. Amen? And with a relationship with Him, you can count on Him for any and for everything. Be assured in your salvation. And in your relationship with a God that can do anything. Right. Amen. I don't know what you came in this morning worrying about. Uh, I don't know what you came in this morning that was consuming you, that was weighing you down like an anchor that wasn't going to hold you in place but was just going to drag you to the bottom. I don't know what that is, but I want you to know Christ does. Jesus does. He knows what you're facing. And He knows what you're going through. And He knows exactly what you need in this moment and in this time. And I can confidently say that there ain't nothing you went into that He already wasn't planning on you coming out of. That He already hadn't made a way of escape, Scripture tells us. But no matter what you face, or what you're going through, I want you to leave with this understanding today. Check yourself. And you'll find that your salvation is intact. Whatever you've went through. And I know some of us have been through some rough stuff. Whatever you've went through, your salvation is intact. Amen. But today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have never invited Him in, if you have heard the call but you've ignored it, You've walked away from it. You said, I don't need that right now in this season. Some other time, maybe. And you're carrying your worries, and you're carrying your burdens, and your fears, and your pain, and your suffering, and you're doing it all alone. Jesus waits for you. Jesus waits for you. 
calls and bids you come. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I invite you to come and know Him today. If you're in a place where you are far off, and you just, the connection's not broken, but it's weak, it feels like you're weak right now. Come and be renewed. Come and find strength in His arms. Come unto me who all ye here labor for weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whatever you carried in this morning, carry it to the altar and then carry it no more. The altar is open for any that need it, for anything that you bring today. Come and talk for Jesus.